Man, first off, just want to say hello and welcome. If you are new to the vineyard, this is your first time or second or third time, whatever, uh, I want to say welcome to you. It's a blessing and an honor to have you here. Uh, I will put a QR code up on the screen. Uh, it's a, one that you can use your phone, get out your camera, shoot that, and it'll take you to our Connect page, give you a chance to uh, let us know who you are and how to contact you. Only reason why I want to know that information is so that we can genuinely connect with you. Uh, we, as a church, want to know what God is doing in your life. We'd love to know that. And so we do want to hear your story. We want to know your name. We want to know what's going on in your life so we can find out ways to come around that with prayer and support, encouragement, laughter. So if you would, take a minute and do that. That'd be awesome. If you're like, man, I ain't doing that, then please do me this favor. Uh, shake my hand before you leave. I would love to meet you personally before you find your car and find your way to lunch today, all right? One other announcement is that we've just kicked off a brand new collaborative art project in the lobby. It's called the Hope Tree, and I'm going to have it up. We're going to have it up uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, the, the, the prompt is simple. What is a word or a scripture uh, that when you hear it or think of it, it gives you hope? Uh, if you would, be so kind as to jot that down on a small piece of paper, whatever color you choose, and place it on the tree. What's beautiful about that is, is that it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak through all of us to all of us. And so if you've already done one, great, do another. Uh, we want to fill the tree with words of hope and allow the Lord an opportunity, to, again, to speak to all of us through all of us. So, uh, man, I want to introduce you guys as we get started to this morning to a friend of mine. Uh, he, this is, there he is. His name is Scott Erickson. Now, this is like an internet friend. He's not like a real life friend. Um, so we've met on the internet. Uh, I have stood in the same building as he has. Uh, at, but, you know, if, if I were going to, you know, move or uh, need a flat tire changed, I probably wouldn't call Scott for a couple reasons. I think he lives in Washington right now, so that's not going to be great. Anyway, um, but I want to introduce you to him because he is an artist, um, and he's an artist who loves Jesus. And so a lot of his art uh, honors the Lord and helps us ask questions or maybe take another step in our hearts. And so there's three reasons why I want to introduce you to Scott this morning. Uh, the first is that I truly love and believe in his work. Uh, I just, I am challenged by it. I'm encouraged by it. I'm inspired by it, and so there's a couple places you can find him. You can find him most easily on Instagram. Uh, if you do Instagram or social media, Scott the Painter uh, is his little at symbol. You can also just go right to his website, uh, scotterickssonart.com. Um, the second reason why I want to introduce you to him is he is a great stoker of fires, right? So when it comes to, like, the conversations that we're trying to have about things that are spiritual— or personal, uh, his art helps us get into those conversations. I would even say he's an agitator of sorts or a conversation starter right now, and he's been doing it now for the last couple of years. He has this uh, interactive art show that he's called the Say Yes Show. It is an evening, a liturgy about not giving up on yourself. And um, my wife and I actually had the really rad opportunity to go check out this show. So here we are before the show. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And then here are Scott and I afterwards the show. That just gives you an idea. Uh, again, complete acquaintances at that point about how enthusiastic we both are and unafraid to get into other people's personal spaces. Um, 
The third reason why I am introducing you to Scott this morning is because I'm going to borrow an image of his uh, to start our conversation for the next three weeks. This is just one of his many beautiful pieces in his repertoire. Um, and, and, and here's our conversation we're going to have. We're going to have a conversation about who we are. Who we are. Uh, and I want this to be a far-reaching conversation about who we are as Christians, who we are as sons and daughters, uh, who we are as a church globally, who we are as a church locally, who we are as a family like right here in this room. Because I think how we talk about those things is incredibly important. And so to help us all kind of find our seat in this conversation, I, I have a question for you. If someone to approach you and say, hey, tell me about your church, what would you say? Uh, I want to be careful. That's not, I'm not like trying to like corner you into one spot. Again, I, I genuinely want you to like find yourself in the conversation. Find your seat. Because there are no wrong answers here. There might be better answers, but there are no wrong answers. Um, often when we get into this conversation, you might hear things like, you know, about the pastor or the preaching or the worship or the kids programs. You might hear about like some Sunday morning or service specific things. Um, you might hear much broader descriptions. I asked one friend uh, who's a, a college pastor in Texas as I was prepping this week for this message and kind of kicking some things back and forth to him. I said, dude, tell me about your church. He said, man, my church is welcoming. Isn't it beautiful that he used like a verb and like, like a vibe that like, even as you like get into the space, whatever the space may be, Maybe you like meet some person from his church, and it's true of them that they are welcoming. But I think, man, like this helps us find our seat in the conversation. And as we get into this conversation, here's one of the things that I feel the Lord is leading us to in this season. And that is that rather like perpetuate our ideas about church our biases or our endeavors. And, that, and that, that includes mine. I had this interesting space as like pastor, leader, shepherd, servant to like not run off in my direction. Amen? Like I want to discover the fullness of his ideas about church, his definition, his illustrations of what it looks like to be who we are. Are. So today's sermon is all about identity, and I can sum it up in one sentence. And that sentence is this I'm a part of a family growing in his tremendous love. My heart's desire is that all of us could say this sentence with enthusiasm, regardless of where we sit on a Sunday morning. I'm grateful. That as I learn each and every story here, that all of you, like, sit down in this space and have this, and it's, like, stirring in your hearts. But it's true anywhere we sit. And I want to look at these phrases this morning, again, as we begin this conversation, on who 
we are. I'm a part of a family growing in his tremendous love. Now, this being the case, man, we're, we're talking about themes that we're going to find throughout Scripture, all over the place. So somewhat topical in a sense. But I would say this, though, more than topical, are you ready for a word from the Lord, from the word of the Lord? All right, then let's go. So let's look at this just phrase by phrase. I'm a part. I am a part of a family growing in his tremendous love. I am a part. I want to begin by saying this, Ben. You are created and connected for collaboration. So like when God designed you, when he imagined you, when he created you, when he wove you together in the womb, he did so with specificities in mind. He created you a certain way, with certain passions, with things you get really excited about and really annoyed with, all on purpose. And at the same time, throughout your life, both in your family as you began and even in your friends and strangers and acquaintances as you move along, he has connected you to others. And his heart's desire is collaboration. You are a part so let's look at a couple of scriptures that like really emphasize that. First, Ephesians uh, 2, verses 8 and 10, where it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, man. Like, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. If that were the case, we could brag about it, but that's not the case, so we can't boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. It's fun to take this scripture and say, man, Kent, you're a masterpiece. And it's true. I mean, I mean, Kent's a pretty amazing. Like, he's like, no, even in his humility, he's like, don't do that. I'm sorry, Kent, if that is uncomfortable. It's just you're the one sitting in the very middle of the room. Okay. Um, but note, and, and we, we are God's masterpiece. The beauty of God's masterpiece is what he is doing and working in the midst of all of us, but all of us includes each individual part of us. But what this is saying is God's work is like expansive and massive and total, but it includes each individual person. Like he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He has plans for each and every one of us. So Jesus has these like these I am statements. In the book of John, the gospel of John, there's seven I am statements that Jesus says, right? I am the good shepherd, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's one that he said of himself but then also spoke over us. I am the light of the world, and you are the light of the world. Right? And then you see in 1 Peter where it says that he has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, we see this. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. 
Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. This particular phrase, sentence and moment, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, helps us see the value of each part. What God has worked in you, the designs he has for you. Um, and our importance as a family, which we'll get into in just a minute, where we don't own this phrase, I don't need you. Like, it speaks value to each and every one of us. You are of great value. Jesus said of himself in Matthew chapter 10, he said, man, that, that God knows every sparrow. There isn't a sparrow or a bird on the planet that doesn't fall to the ground without God knowing it. He goes on to say, man, all of the hairs on your head are numbered, and you are more valuable than any sparrow. There's just this incredible intentionality in God's word to say, you are a part, you are designed, you are crafted in a way that's incredible. An elbow is different from an eyeball, is different from a nostril, is different from a tooth. You look at each one, they're all incredibly amazing. Like the eyeball in of itself is a ball of goo that allows us to see like millions of color variations across the spectrum because of how light, it's just amazing. That's just one thing. Like, then there's also like fingernails. Fingernails are amazing. They, they are, in a way, eternal. They just continue to grow and continue to grow. Like each in, in their design, radically different. Both incredibly helpful in the body and work together in very fascinating ways. So like, for example, you can see the top of a Coke can, use your fingernail to pop it open. All of a sudden, you have this neat teamwork thing happening, right? Here's the deal. Man, God is at work in you. And at the same time, he is working through you. So when you think about this idea of a part, who we are, who I am on this earth in relationship with God in relationship with every other human on the planet, I would say that there are at least two things that are true about me, that are true about you if you're in relationship with God. Number one, he's at work in your life. Again, we already said it. Like he has made you a certain way with certain specific skills and passions that are incredible. So he's gifted you, physically and spiritually. The next thing is, that, like, like, we've all had goof-ups, imperfections, brokenness. Like, there are things in our story that hurt. We're not proud of. And if we had to do it over again, we might do it a little bit differently. It's true of all of us. It's also true is that the Lord is redeeming that part of us. There's victory there if we walk with him through it. And that victory that he gifts us through his son and through restoration and through reconciliation and through wholeness, that victory becomes a tool in of itself to then be a benefit and encouragement and a help to others. So whether it's God's giftings or God's redemption, he's at work in your life. And he's looking forward to working through your life and blessing someone else. Which takes us to the idea of family. I'm a part of a family that's growing in his tremendous love. We do have a family here at the vineyard, one in which I would say right off the bat, man, I've been incredibly welcomed into. You guys are good at loving on people. Uh, so I thank you for that, and I'm going to stir that up even more. But before we even just kind of set on that, I do want us to see globally, beautifully, in the church, present, past, and future, like God 
His family is big, super big. But the idea of that there are parts and that there is a whole, man, it's rampant throughout Scripture. I want you to see this first. So these are just a few of, did it do it? There it goes. There we go. Different images of connection in the kingdom. So we have like images of family, images of body, of a wall, of people, and a tree. I would really encourage you, I'm not going to walk through all of these, but if you would like, then man, like, I sense what the Lord is saying. I want to know more about it. These are some great spots to begin to look at Scripture and what God might say to you and for you about how we operate among others. Family, again, body. We've already kind of been in, in 1 Corinthians a little bit. You know, everybody has a part. God puts it right in place. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, that's where, that's where uh, Peter says that, you know, we are all living stones that are being stacked together. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2 also talks about, you know, you are a holy priesthood, right? God's people. Jeremiah 32 is where it says, man, like, like we are God's people. God says, you are my people. Something beautiful about that where he says himself, man, like, I want you, like, under my wing, and then Romans 11, there's this cool, like, grafting, like, where, where, God, he, where Paul talks about, like, the original tree of the Israelite people, and then there's, like, the wild olive tree of the Gentiles, and how God is about, like, taking out some branches that don't believe and then grafting in branches that do believe, but there's this, there's this remix, this regathering, this body, this thing that God is building. I want to go to 1 John verses uh, 3 and 4, chapter 1, because I want you to see this real quick. So this is from John, the disciple that Jesus loved, John the Beloved, in the opening of, of, of his later letter in the New Testament. And he says, we proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Here's, here's, here's a beautiful sentence about family, the family of God. Check it out. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that sentence beautiful? Our fellowship is with the Father. By the way, when you look at Scripture, man, like it says you can't see God. Only way we know God is through Jesus' revelation of him and our connection through all of the ways that he's active in our lives. But he, he says our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are connected to his family. And he says, I'm writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. There's this awesome connection to family and the desire for that family to grow. We'll see it again. Check this out. Uh, this is in Corinthians uh, 12, 27. All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. Here's what I firmly believe is true about the Lord. Frustrating iPads. There we go. God is building something big, beautiful, and strong. Think about the family of God, the kingdom of God. Um, man, when you think about church and who we are, I don't know if big 
would be a word that we would describe ourselves in some contexts. But the radical truth of it is, if you ask me, there are some very big things happening here. And beautiful. When you look at all of the church and all of what God is doing, it's incredibly diverse, incredibly nuanced. It's colorful. It's wide. It's deep. Um, it would take a while to describe it in its entirety. It's beautiful. And then finally, strong. I don't think that there's any... Um, man, it wasn't a coincidence that he used the word family. It wasn't a coincidence at all that he used the word family. In fact, if you would give me just a second, I, I want to read a short excerpt from a book. The book is called Tom and the Goldfish Bowl. Uh, it's by uh, a, a guy who is both a pastor and, again, an artist uh, who loves to worship. He's written songs, written books, but he just kind of likes to sit and think and talk about and listen for the Lord and articulate some truths of the kingdom. In this idea of family, he says this. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, some systems are excellent. Let me check this out. One is perfect. This one perfect system began in the heavens. It preceded creation in the mind of God. It has transcended all earthly tools and measures. And this system has found its way into our world. It's all around us. We discover this perfect system in prehistory when we discover God as the Trinity. We see it imparted as a foundation for this world on the sixth day of creation. We see it lasting into eternity when we dream about the wedding supper of the Lamb. Born in eternity, this system is bound for eternity and will live on forever. It has worked since the beginning of creation. And it still works well in every culture. It works well in every nation on this earth. Constantly creative, constantly reproductive, life-giving, self-propagating. It is a heavenly system that is now reflected in the jewel of creation, humanity. It is the DNA code of the kingdom itself. It's the blueprint for the way things work in the kingdom. We call it family. And he says, pause for just a moment and enjoy the simplicity of this one word. How far it reaches, all that it infuses, and all that it transcends. Here is the good news of the kingdom of God. We don't have to attain family. We don't have to fail any longer in our desire to have family. We can receive it. I love that we sang so many of the songs that we sang this morning. I know some of them are very familiar to us. But in this idea of like family, when we sing, you know, how he loves, oh, how he loves, like there, there's like fact and then opportunity to dream. Like he loves us. That's a fact. Opportunity to dream, like, oh, how he loves us. 
I'm bringing that up for a transition point here. Here's the deal. Like, family is strong because of God's unwavering love and commitment to us. Or maybe I should say a family is only as strong as its unwavering commitment to love. So it's interesting to me. This was a challenge that I had this morning. We were, I'm going to do my best to not be like super ADHD. So you guys are already being incredibly patient and wonderful. We have this thing before service we call 920 prayer. By the way, you're always invited to be here at 920. Sometimes it happens at 930. But we intentionally gather in the foyer and we pray. Because we value the Lord directing our steps here. And so that's where we begin. As volunteers and people who are here early, we begin in a moment of prayer. This morning I prayed, Lord, challenge me. And then I was like, whoa, okay. I was like, I don't know if I should ask for that. And then I was like, okay, be gentle. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, re, I'm not gonna pull back on that request. I'm, I'm gonna leave it there. Challenge me, but please be gentle. And this is the way that he challenged. He said, man, like it's true. He loves us, and the ways that he does it, they're incredible. And I mean, I loved how Isaac this morning. He was just like grateful, transparently grateful about God's love for us. Um, that part's easy. Where it gets a little more interesting is, is how we continue to persistently endure in giving it to each other. I'm a part of a family, and it's big, and it's beautiful, and it's strong, and it's strong because it's built on his love. It's really easy for me, this is how I was challenged this morning, it's really easy for me to proclaim his love for me. It's a little bit different in those moments where it's hard but important to walk his love out with those he's given to me. But that is how we find ourselves in his family. Here we go. This is the I don't know about you moment. I don't know about you. But I want to be in all of his family, in all of his love. And if that means walking in some places where it's hard to love, whew, be gentle, sign me up, because I want to learn more about your love. Right? So let's talk about that, and let us go on to lunch I'm part of a family growing in his tremendous love. I want y'all to know, man, I wrestled with this sentence all freaking week long. Like, I'm a part. I'm a member. I belong. I belong is important because you do belong. Okay, I almost got like ADHD. We're on growing. Here we go. But growing. I was so grateful when God gave me that word for this moment because we are part of a family that is growing. Like this thing started, like I read in the book, man, before creation, and it's still growing. Where we have an opportunity to be intentional. Let's embrace God's appetite for kingdom growth. And let's have our hands open as to what that actually means. So... I haven't been a pastor here very long, but ever since I've been here, when I've sensed the energy and the appetite for growth, like in our family, I said, Lord, let us be a church that grows. Like, I, 
I absolutely want this place that I already love dearly to grow. I said, but, I said, Lord, please, will you define the parameters of growth? Again, a lot of preconceived notions about what growth looks like in a church. But there's also a lot of fullness to discover in God's idea of growth for the kingdom in Baton Rouge. And out of those two, like, can I have the second one, please? Like, Lord, please, <laughs> please, right? Please, please show us what growth looks like when you define it and we anticipate it. But it is founded in his tremendous love that we can count on. And there are so many things, man, like, What's beautiful about Scripture, again, this is a word from the Lord, from the word of the Lord. Like, in Romans chapter 11, Paul has this whole thing about trees. In John chapter 15, Jesus has that moment where he says, man, I am the vine, you are the branches. Like, back to this plant life thing, right? You can't do anything without me, right? If you are apart from me, you can do nothing. So then he says, remain in my love. That's John 15, right? 1 Corinthians 12. What I love about 1 Corinthians 12, that's the whole like body and its many parts thing. Like the nose can't be envious of the ear and all the things that he says. When Paul gets through with that whole metaphorical description of the body of Christ, he then says this, but let me tell you a way of life that is best of all. And then he goes into 1 Corinthians 13, which is like the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. He's like, man, I could have like the words of like amazing prophet, but if I don't have love in my heart, I've missed it. If I don't have love, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And then we also see like in 1 John chapter, chapter 3, verses 11 through 24. Um, man, I'm going to pull that up real quick just because I want you guys to, to hear it. Not from my memory, but from the Word of God. First and second and third, John, Jude, and Revelation. All right. You guys are so patient, and I appreciate you. Um, first John, chapter 3, verse 11. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Verse 16. We know what real Love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Verse 18, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Woo! Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. And then Ephesians 4.16, this one I do have for you, um, from the Amplified. This is the last time I will use this iPad. Oh, well then why isn't it orange? Thank you, Scott. Um, if y'all want to see something funny, just get around me when I'm trying to interact with technology and it's not doing what I want it to do. For example, if I wait on the internet, if I'm waiting on the internet for anything, 
particularly if I'm looking up something to show and like share with someone, I'll quickly, if I quickly, I mean within two seconds, if it's not there, I'll say, yeah, because no one's waiting on you. Okay. Um, so I'll never use the iPad again. Thank you, Scott. I can always trust Scott. All right. Um, from him, the whole body. Man, check it out. The church in all of its various parts. It is joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies. When each part is working properly, this causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. It's just another example where, like, we grow, we mature, we get bigger or build, however God wants to define it and make it happen next. But it's standing on what? His love. His love. Last scripture. Scott. I just, all right, I'm going to close this thing up. Scott's going to do it for now. This is from Acts chapter 2, right? So there's like the whole moment of Pentecost, and then like Peter does his little preaching thing. And at the end of Acts chapter 2, it starts to talk about like how the church hangs out together. And it closes with these words. They worship together at the temple each day. I mean, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. I always want to be careful, personal moment of confession, of not like turning the Bible or God's living word into formula. Right? So if we do certain things that it says, in, like, it will produce this result. Now, there are certain things that are principles, right? Now, that's a principle. So if you do these things, if you confess your sins one to another, like, like confession will bring about transformation, bring about forgiveness, wholeness, peace. Like, that's just, that's a principle. That's a reality and a rhythm of Scripture. Um, I don't think it's so much like, okay, like, so if we, the Vineyard Church, like, worship together at the temple each day, like, let's do that. Like, that's probably true, right? Could be a principle, but it's not formulaic. Y'all with me on that? I say that to say, I don't put this up for a formulaic endeavor. I put this up because when I think about myself and my family and yourself, and your family, and ourselves, and our family. I just want those three words to come true. The Lord added. God, please. You know he's going to, right? But like, when we talk about who we are, when we spend time doing things together as a church, when we spend time giving our energies to how we're going to steward and shape our day, Let's do so, man, realizing that we are a part of a family that is growing in tremendous love. And we want in all the way with however God would use us and activate us so that we grow, the family grows, and the kingdom grows. May the Lord add to our lives this week. What does that look like? Number one, it looks like this. Let's give him room to work. So if we are apart, let's give him room to work. If he is working in your life so that he can work through your life, let's give him room to work. And by that I mean let's just like open ourselves up to whatever God would want to add or subtract 
or whatever he wants to do in me and through me, like, Lord, I surrender to you and I submit myself to you. If you want a really practical way to do that, I would encourage you this week to read the book of 1 John. It's five chapters long. So just take like one chapter a day throughout the weekday. And then if like you get to Tuesday and you forget, it's totally cool, man, because there's only five chapters. So you just pick it up on Wednesday and then go through Saturday, whatever. But man, like say, yeah, Lord, okay. Like I heard this word from your word and I want to know more about who we are, who I is. So I'm going to give you room to work. I'm going to read First John. Second, if God is growing something that is big and beautiful and strong, Let's look for ways as a part of a family to add, to encourage, and to fortify. Maybe God does have somebody that he's going to connect you with this week, and he's going to add to his kingdom because you were looking for it. Maybe there's somebody who's forgotten or needs reminding of how beautiful and vibrant they are as a part of God's creation and his family. If you see that by the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, pass on that encouragement to them. And maybe he'll give you an opportunity to fortify, to strengthen God's family by loving in a moment where it's needed and potentially even difficult. And then finally, let's do this. (laughs) Come on, Jonathan, help us with this one, man. Come on up. Let his love flow over you and off of you. I'm going to assume that everybody in the room has at least taken a shower once. Those are just fun sentences to say, right? Um, and so water has this cool, like, elasticity thing, right? So, like, where, like, it hits you on the shoulder and it makes its way, like, on your hand, then it has to go like off your hand. But then like you can like direct where the water goes, right? Let his love pour over you. Stand in the shower of God's love for you this week. And as you receive, man, let it flow off of you onto others. If you have kids, let it flow on to your kids, especially in those moments where you want to, like, wring their little necks, right? Like, <laughs> let it flow off of you. That's the moments when we need it. Like, it's easy when we're like, so-and-so, I love you, right? There's a moment where it's like, oh, it's just easy to love. Wow, I was in a drive through line, and somebody, like, purchased my meal for me. That's amazing. The Lord bless them. That was so cool. It's a little bit different when you're like, that dude just, these are such cliched examples, cut me off. Like, whatever, whatever frustrates you, when a human being frustrates you, remember that God loves them. And that it is his love, his tremendous love that grows the kingdom, that you're a part of it. And that's what's going to bring us wholeness and healing and power and joy. Frustration is real. We're not going to run from it. But it's also a simple indicator of where like, we can apply, we can lather some love. So let his love pour over you. And let it flow off of you. 
onto others this week. Because <laughs> that's who we are. Right? That's who we are. We are a part, incredibly specific. Wow, I went super long today, y'all. That's what happens when I don't look at the clock. <laughs> Sorry. But you are. You're incredibly specific, man. In the ways that God wired you, in the ways that he is refining you, his victory is in you and it's incredibly specific. He's connecting you to others for the beautiful work of collaboration. And he is growing his kingdom right here in our midst. So let it grow.